Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler. I lead Faith Christian Center here in Austell, Georgia. Pay attention to this message. I believe God is gonna say something to you that is gonna bless your life, change your life, and empower you and equip you to make Jesus famous in your everyday life. Listen up, and we'll talk to you at the end of today's broadcast. So Acts chapter 13, verse four. This is gonna be Paul and Barnabas' first missionary journey. Verse four says, and so they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, it's important who sends you because if they send you, they have to back you. So then said so the church of Antioch sent them forth. No, the Holy Ghost sent them. So the Holy Ghost is planning to back them every single step of the way. They went unto Seleucia. Now, Seleucia was the seaport of Antioch. Now, one of the things you'll see when I go to the map a little bit later, that these places to us, because we live in the United States of America, mean nothing. These are just names of cities. But when you look at, you see the different strategy of the areas they were covering. A lot of the places Paul is going into this first missionary journey after he passes Cyprus are located in modern-day Turkey. A lot of the churches that Paul preaches at and that John writes to in the book of Revelation are in modern-day Turkey. So when you see modern-day Turkey on the news, you hear different things, but just think that is the land of the Bible. That is the land of the New Testament. That is the land of the church of Ephesus. That was the land of the churches in Galatia. That is a, so many places happened in that area. So you hear a lot about Turkey on the news, but just think that's where Paul went. That's where Timothy went. That's where Barnabas went. That is the land of the Bible. So this is where Paul is going. They leave unto Seleucia, and they sail unto Cyprus. Now, why is Cyprus important? That's where Barnabas is from. So they're going to Barnabas' hometowns, and that's where they're starting their first missionary journey. When you get to verse 5, they were at Salamis, which is a major city on the island of Cyprus. They preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John, John Mark, as their minister. Remember, John Mark is one of Barnabas' relatives. He's either his cousin or his nephew. And so Barnabas took his family member with him, and they go to Barnabas' home country, and they start with what's familiar. Remember, Paul... Barnabas and John Mark are Jews. So it makes sense for them, well, let's go to the place that's familiar. So they start with what's familiar, and they go into the synagogue. I'm sure one of these synagogues are the ones that Barnabas went to growing up. So they go there, and they begin to preach the word of God. And you get to verse 6, and it says, when they've gone through the Isle of Patmos, they found a certain sorcerer. Now, one of the things when you read through the book of Acts, it doesn't record every single sermon. It records some, and I thank God for the ones that are recorded. But you'll see kind of one of the things is Paul is a strategist, and you'll see his strategy through the way he preaches. He doesn't preach to the Jews the same way he preaches to the Gentiles. He has a different strategy and a different approach depending on where he is. And as we analyze his messages tonight and going forward in the next few weeks, we'll begin to understand the strategy of this apostle. So they go through the aisle, preaching through Cyprus, and they get to Paphos, another major city. And they found a certain sorcerer, a warlock, a false prophet. So Luke is being very clear. He's a warlock. He's a false prophet. He's Jewish in background. And his name was Bar-Jesus. Bar means son of. So remember, Jesus is the Greek name, but it's also translated of the Hebrew name Joshua or Yeshua, which means salvation or Jehovah saves. So he goes around calling himself and his Jewish name, son of salvation. So that's how he's presenting himself. Which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus. He's the governor of the area. He is a prudent man, so he's known as being a wise man. 
And when he heard, Barnab heard about Barnabas and Saul, he called for them because he wants to hear the word of God. So Barnabas and Saul's ministry is so popular in Cyprus and doing so well that the governor hears about these two guys from another area. They're preaching this different type of thing, and I want to hear it. And so he calls them just so he can have the gospel preached to them. This politician said, I want the word. I want to know more what you're talking about. But somebody who would stand in his cabinet, in his court, was this warlock. So up until now, this governor will receive spiritual advice from the warlock. This was his cabinet official. He is standing right there. So here comes Saul and Barnabas. There's the governor. There's the warlock. Saul and Barnabas are not moved. But Elymas is also what Bar-Jesus' name was, the sorcerer. He emphasized it again because if he's a sorcerer, if he's a warlock, he has shown some type of mystic arts and power to that governor before. Luke is emphasizing this is not someone who is philosophically resisting God. This is someone who has demon power and has showed demon power in the presence of this governor. Remember back then, Romans and Greeks and this area, they had other religions. They believed in all this different stuff. And so, Luke is emphasizing twice, this dude is a warlock. This dude has demon power. And it says, this demonic person withstood Saul and Barnabas for the purpose he was trying to turn away the deputy from the faith. So Saul and Barnabas are preaching, and the warlock is resisting them. No, don't listen to them. No, no, no. This, no. He's resisting the gospel. Then Saul, who was also called Paul. Now, some people make big to-do about, now Saul is called Paul because God changed his name and God will change your name to you, and they go all through that. It's actually not that deep. Paul is just Saul's Latin or Greek name. Most Jews back then had two names. They had a Jewish name, and they had the Greek name. And so Paul's Latin or Greek name is Paul. His Hebrew name is Saul. But when you look at Paul's writings, he always signs his letters, Paul. That lets you know that was Paul's preference. He wanted people to call him Paul. So some of you have multiple names, multiple nicknames. You know, some of you don't go by your family name. You're like, no one else needs to hear my family name. We keep that secret. That is not your name of preference. There are some people who have first names, and that's not the name of preference. Then they go by their middle name. They go by their last name. So it's the same thing with Saul, Paul. Paul is his name of preference. And now for the rest of Scripture, he is referred to as Paul. So then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost fills Paul, comes upon him, and now he's about to deal with this warlock. Notice what he says. Full of all subtlety and mischief, you child of the devil. The Holy Ghost is not pulling punches right now. But notice the artistry of the Holy Ghost in it. He called himself son of salvation. And the Holy Ghost says, you son of the devil. He's making things very clear to everybody around. Because this is not like a private meeting of just Paul and the, and the warlock. The governor's right there watching. You know, the governor's right there. There's soldiers right there. There's other cabinet officials right there. This is a very public showdown between the Holy Ghost and these low-ranking demonic spirits. You enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? So this lets you know what Elymas was doing before Saul and Barnabas got there. He would take the truth of God's word, because remember, he's Jewish by background. He would take true principles from the word of God and twist them and pervert them for his own purposes. 
And that's what he did in his witchcraft to convince people in the area to follow him and what he had to say. And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you. Now the hand of the Lord, when you study it through the Old Testament, represents the power of God or the Holy Ghost. Now when someone, a man of God or a woman of God, commissions the hand of the Lord, it's for the purpose of judgment. So now you see one of the rare instances in the book of Acts where judgment's falling. We saw it fall on Ananias and Sapphira. We looked at that. We saw it fall on Herod. Now it's about to fall on this warlock. He says, the hand of the Lord is now on you. Not for blessing, but to shut you up. Because remember, it says, don't go against my anointed and do my prophets no harm. See, the anointing, when it stretches out, is to bless. But there's also a backhand of the anointing. And this warlock is about to get the Holy Ghost backhand. The hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness. Now notice something interesting what Luke is saying. Remember, Luke is a doctor by trade. And actually, Luke, for some of you who like this stuff, Luke is from the church in Antioch. So Luke is one of the converts who came from the church in Antioch. And he's a doctor by trade. So if he went blind and his eyes stopped working, you know, the doctor would be really interested. But notice what Luke says. He was blind because something began to cover his eyes. So this man is walking around with a mist and darkness in front of his eyes, and he couldn't see. His eyes are working, but all he could see is this mist and this cloudiness. And it wasn't permanent. It lasted for a season. And this whole season, he went about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. So now he's been this warlock trying to lead the people against God. Now he's walking around and says, I need someone to show me where to go. Well, dude, what happened to you? You could see yesterday, well, I, 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 well Paul and Barnabas. Well, what did Paul and Barnabas have to say? Now he's a walking witness of the power of God is greater than the power of this warlock. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed. I guess so. Being astonished or amazed at the teaching of the Lord, the teaching of Jesus. He wanted to hear about it. He was being convinced by it. The warlock tried to stop it, and the Holy Ghost dealt with the warlock. And now he's all in. So now the governor of Cyprus is a believer. There are many people on this island who are believers. And so they leave the area. They have accomplished the mission. The Holy Ghost sends them from there. You've worked through the island. There are several people who are now saved. And now the governor is saved. You've done pretty well. Verse 13, now when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia. This is an area of Turkey. If you guys are able, please put up the map. So they leave Cyprus, which is that small island, and they head to Turkey. And when they get there, John left them and went to Jerusalem. It doesn't tell us why John left. It just tells us he left. He went back to Jerusalem. That was home. It was comfortable. That's where his mama was. He went back home. The Bible doesn't tell us why he left. But the fact that he left will become a major issue in the second missionary journey. So verse 14, and when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia. This is not the same Antioch they're loose from. This is another Antioch. And they went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. 
And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, You men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation and encouragement for the people, say something. Now, one of the traditions in certain synagogues is, you know, you have traveling speakers and preachers. Hey, if they're there, you know, if they want to say something, they gave them an invitation. Now, they didn't know what they're about to get. But they gave them an invitation to share. Remember, Paul, at least, is a rabbi by trade. He's been trained. He was trained by Gamaliel. He was trained by the best of the best. So if Paul walks in and they hear, yeah, Gamaliel trained that dude. The highest preaching scholar of the land trained him. You want to know. Because I doubt Gamaliel has ever been there. So they're thinking, this is our opportunity to hear from someone like Gamaliel. They don't know that in between, he ran into a guy named Jesus. So they opened the floor for Paul, the apostle, to say something. So then Paul stood up and beckoning with his hands, he says, men of Israel, and you that fear God, pay attention to me. So he gets everybody's attention. He calls people who are Israelites together, and he says, everyone else there, so you see they're proselytes in the room, or people who are not Jewish by birth, but they're now Jewish by belief. And he says, hey, you reverence God. I need you to pay attention to me. Notice what he says. The God of this people of Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt, and with a high arm, the power of God, brought he them out of it. And about the time of 40 years suffered he their manners in the wilderness. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he divided them by their land to them by lot. And after that, he gave unto them judges about the space of 450 years until Samuel the prophet. And afterward, they desired a king, and God gave unto them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, by the space of 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom he gave testimony and said, I found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who shall fulfill all my will. So notice where Paul starts. It's a strategy. He started with something everybody agreed with. If they're in the synagogue on the Sabbath day, they agree with that. Yeah, you know, we used to be in Egypt. Yeah, God delivered us with the power of God. Yeah, our, our ancestors acted a fool in the wilderness, but God put up with us. And then eventually he took us into the land of Canaan. He destroyed our enemies, gave us this land. Yeah, we had judges. Yeah, I remember hearing about that in Sunday school. You know, they're going through these things that everybody agreed was at a high level of ascent. So now they're agreeing with Paul. Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, we're there with you. And so he talks about David. Remember, David is the hero. David is the man. David is the king. David is the prophet. David is the giant slayer. Everybody knows David. Now, some of the other ones, you know, okay, we know Samuel, you know David, we know Moses, other names. You might have lost some people at, who were at a lower level of learning. But everybody can agree with, we know who David is. We know how important David is. But he goes, of this man's seed, David's seed, has God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus, son of David, is a messianic title. They knew the Messiah had to come from the lineage of David. So he points to David and said, God did what he said. God fulfilled his promise to David. God fulfilled his scripture, and he sent Jesus. Now, one of the things I find very interesting to see in the next few verses, Paul does not go into much explanation about Jesus or John the Baptist. Watch us keep reading. When John had first preached before his coming, the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel, and as John fulfilled his course, he said, Who do you think I am? I am not he, but behold, there comes one after me whose shoes of his feet I am not worthy to loose. 
Now he just says, John said this. Now if you just began a conversation, yeah, John said this and that, you have to know who John is to get it. So they had, he have to heard of the ministry of John the Baptist. It hadn't reached into that area of Turkey. So now they knew John. Okay, yeah, John was a prophet. Herod killed him. We know how bad the Herods are. Well, we heard about this prophet named John. So now he's brought it to modern-day context. These are still current events of the last 20 years. Yeah, John. Okay, John talked about this guy. Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham. So notice he's bringing them in again. Hey, you're family. You're the seed of Abraham. You fear God. The word of this salvation is being sent to you. For they that dwelt at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voices, or they didn't know the voices of the prophets which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. So he says the rulers, they didn't get the scriptures. But remember, Paul is talking after they just read the law and read the prophets. So he points to, yeah, y'all read the law and the prophets every single Sabbath. And this man, Jesus, fulfilled everything they read to you every single Saturday. So not only is he teaching, he's pointing. He's walking them through the symbol process. And now he points that Jesus fulfilled the scriptures. They condemned him. That fulfilled the scriptures. And though they found no cause of death in him, yet desired they Pilate that he should be slain. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher. Because remember, the crucifixion is the greatest insult in Roman culture and in Jewish culture. Because even in the law, it's cursed as everyone who's hung on the tree. It's an insult. The crucifixion is the most humiliating death in Roman times. So they're here, well, he was crucified. Well, he must have done something wrong. He must have been a horrible person. But now Paul is defending the crucifixion, saying he was crucified because the prophet said he would. So he's addressing scriptural concerns and cultural concerns in one single message. But God raised him from the dead. And he was seen many days of them, which came up with them from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses to the people. So not only did God raise him from the dead, there are several people who saw him, and they're still at Jerusalem telling people that he's alive. Then it keeps going. And we declare unto you glad tidings, good news, how that the promise which was made unto the fathers, God has fulfilled, fulfilled the same unto us as their children. And that he has raised up Jesus again, as it is also written in the second psalm. Now he takes him to the scripture. Up until now, all of his scripture has been summary and current events and starting with a high-level knowledge. So now he takes him to direct scriptures. He takes them to the psalms. Remember, we said the book of Psalms is one of the most quoted books in the book of Acts. It was very important to the early church. It says, you are my son, this day I have begotten thee. And as concerning that he raised him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption, he said on this wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Wherefore he has said in another psalm, you shall not suffer your holy one to see corruption. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on asleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised against saw no corruption. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren. Now notice what he just did, because most people thought that, psalmist, that psalm is talking about David. Okay, he's talking about David, but Paul's saying, no, David died, his body corrupted, just like everybody else. 
This psalm, because David was a prophet, was talking about Jesus. He's pointing to Jesus. This day I have begotten you. It's not talking about the day Jesus was born. It was talking about the day Jesus was born from the dead. Jesus is the first born again man. He was born from the dead to life. He was raised from the dead. And so this is what God said when he raised Jesus from the dead. And Paul is pointing to the Psalms to prove about Jesus. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins or the cancellation of sins. Remember, forgiveness is actually a financial term. The cancellation of debts. Through this Jesus is preached unto you the cancellation of all of your debts, of all of your sins, of every offense you have against God. Remember, he's in the synagogue where they teach sacrifice, where they teach the law. And by him all that believe are justified, are made righteous from all things, or are declared guilt, not guilty from everything. So you just heard the law that declared you're guilty because of everything. Now if you believed in Jesus, you declared not guilty from everything. Remember the area he's preaching, and they just read the law. These are good, God-fearing Jews. They've made sacrifices. They know the law. But now he's standing in the place of the law. It says, if you believe in him, he goes on to say, the, Jesus can do what the law couldn't do. He says, you're justified from him from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. He says, if you believe on him, you're declared not guilty. If you believed on him, you're going to declare not guilty from everything. You believe on him, you're made righteous. That righteousness you strive to get you because of the law you never could, if you believe on him, you already made that righteousness. Notice what he's telling them. It's a paradigm shift. It says, if you believe it'll happen, you can't work for it. You can't do it by yourself. But if you just believe, you get everything you were trying to work for this whole years of your life. Beware, therefore, lest that come upon you which was spoken of in the prophets. Behold, you despisers and wonder and perish. For I work a work in your days, a work which you shall no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. He said, I'm here declaring unto you. Don't let the scripture be you. Be those who believe in Jesus, not the ones who wonder and despise it, and you die. He said, you got two choices. You can believe, be declared not guilty, be made righteous, and all you have to do is believe you don't have to work for it, or you can wonder and despise and scratch your head and die. He said, these are the two choices. And the Jew, when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath day. Because remember, there are Gentiles there because they're proselytes. They're converts to Judaism, but they're not Jews by birth. And so, you know, the synagogue dismisses. You know, everybody's talking about it and going, huh. Well, that was interesting. We didn't expect that message. And so you go on to verse 43. Now, when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas. So they leave because the synagogue's dismissed. The person of the synagogue's like, well, I guess it's time to go. And when they dismiss, people are following Paul and Barnabas out the door. Like, where are you going? You just started. This wasn't a long message. Like, come on, we, we got to know more. We're interested. Notice what Paul and Barnabas did. They spoke to them and persuaded them to continue in the grace of God, meaning these people believed. And because they believed they received the grace of God, they're saved. Now we say, now you need to stick with it. So if you continue in the grace of God, don't go back to the law. Stick with believing on Jesus. Now don't go back and try to perfect your righteousness. You just believe. 
So this is what he's convincing them. This is what he's encouraging them to. This is day one. This is pretty good. So they all come back together the next Sabbath. And the next Sabbath day came almost a whole city together to hear the word of God. Record attendance. The whole city showed up at the synagogue. The Jews never had that attendance before. You know, the leader of the synagogue felt kind of some kind of way. I've been in this town for years, and y'all never come to church, but now this one person trained by Gamaliel comes to town, and y'all want to come to church. Because when the Jews saw the multitude, it's not talking about all Jews, because remember, part of the multitude is the Jews. Some of the leader of the Jews, the unbelieving Jews. But with envy, and spake against those things which are spoken of Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. They are arguing. They're debating. So now Paul doesn't have this open floor like he had it last week. Now they are resisting him, doing whatever they could to debate him, just like the people used to debate and argue with Jesus. Then Paul and Barnabas wax bold, because, you know, the leaders are waxing bold, and Paul and Barnabas in the back down. And said, it was necessary that the word of God should have first been spoken to you, hard-headed people. For seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. Notice what he said. He says, you don't judge yourself worthy of receiving everlasting life. You don't judge yourself worthy of just believing and being made righteous. You think for whatever reason, you've got to work for it. So because you reject it, we're going to the Gentiles. Which remember, to the Jews is the ultimate insult. I'm not playing with you. I'm not debating with y'all no more. I don't, I don't go time for this. I'm leaving his. I'm going to hang out with the Gentiles from now on. For so has the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be, memory goes back to the scripture. I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many were in danger, eternal life believed. So now, the church in this region is going to become majority Gentile. Now, there are a lot of Jews, but now there's going to be a lot more Gentiles. They were like, what? Jesus sent these guys to talk to us? They're excited. They're following God. They're holding on to Paul and Barnabas. They are believing. And it says, and the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. Now, what was that region? If you put up the map, that region is the modern-day Turkey, which is ancient name of Galatia. So when you read the book of Galatians, these are some of the people Paul is writing to. You get to verse 50. But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city. So they stirred up the influencers. And raised persecution, people pressure, and resistance against Paul and Barnabas and kicked them out of their coast. They physically booted them out the city. But they shook off the dust of the feet against them and came unto Iconium. Now, why would they do some of that? You just read through that. That's what Jesus told them to do. Luke chapter 9, verse 5 says, And whosoever will not receive you when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet for a testimony against them. So, this dust was smart enough to stick to us. The dirt is smarter than you. Your dirt treated us better than you, but we're not even going to take your dirt. We're not taking your dirt, your drama, your issues with you. We're leaving it with you. So the people right there, yeah, you need to leave, Paul. Yeah, you need to leave, Barnabas. And they go and walk off. 
sometimes that's what you got to do. Stop taking people's drama with you. Just shake it off and keep moving. So that's what they did. And what happened at that church now in this area? And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Now go to chapter 14, verse 1. And it came to pass in Iconium that they went both together in the synagogue of the Jews and so spake that a great multitude, both of the Jews and also the Greeks, those of the Gentiles, believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles, by implication the unbelieving Gentiles, so the people who didn't believe, and made their minds evil against the brethren. So they began to stir up this resistance. But they didn't leave. It says, a long time therefore abode they speaking boldly in the Lord. So they didn't back down. They didn't leave. They just got bold. They stayed there a long time and kept preaching, kept teaching. And Jesus was just as bold because he backed them up, with, which gave testimony to the word of his grace and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. So Paul and Barnabas are bold, and so is Jesus. And the resistance of the enemy. But the multitude of the city was divided, and part held with the Jews and part with the apostles. So this lets you know that all throughout Iconium, everybody knows about the gospel of Jesus. Everybody has an opinion of it. So it's not like you find a few people, oh, uh, who is Paul? Who is Barnabas? Who is Jesus? Everybody's heard it. There's two sides. You're with Paul Barnabas or you're with the Jews. And when there was an assault, a physical, violent assault, made both of the Gentiles and also of the Jews with their rulers, so these unbelieving Jews with their unbelieving rulers, with unbelieving Gentiles, to use them despitefully, they're going to treat them and to stone them. So they're trying to catch them for the purpose of stoning them. They're like, well, let's just kill them and get done with it. They were aware of it and fled unto Lystra and Derby. So they escaped. So they heard of the plan and they escaped. To Lystra and Derby, cities of Lyconia, and unto the region that lies round about it. This is still a part of Galatia. So these are also people that Paul wrote. Verse 7. And there they preached the gospel. And there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed. So Paul is preaching, but as he's preaching, his attention keeps coming back to this one person. He keeps going back to them. And so as he's preaching, he's watching, because, you, know, you know, some of us, as we preach, we watch people. Amen. See, my, my team messes with me. It's like, Pastor, how do you see these things? I said, I'm watching everybody. I was like, I was a youth pastor. I had to preach and watch. And so it's still the same habit. You know, even though it was a, dec a decade ago, I was like, I'm still preaching and watching, preaching and watching. And so Paul is preaching and watching. And when he does, he looks at this man. He looks at him. He keeps looking at him as he's preaching. And he sees in him, by the Spirit, that he has faith to be healed. So, which means faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, which lets you know that somewhere in Paul's message, he talked about Jesus as a healer. And this man grabbed onto it. And faith is growing in his heart. So he said with a loud voice, he interrupts his message. He's preaching, though. Some people are probably going off to sleep because Paul could preach a long time. Some people are bored. Some people are listening. And all of a sudden, he gets loud, which means he wasn't loud previously. And said, stand upright on your feet. It probably startled him. But guess what he did? He leaped up and walked. 
Notice the reaction. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of Lyconia, so the speaking in language that Paul and Barnabas don't understand, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. So Paul and Barnabas don't know what's going on because they start t- teaching another language and they know it's not the Holy Ghost. They say, oh, no, that's not tongues. What's going on here? And so they start saying, the gods are here. The gods are here. The gods are here. They come in the likeness of men. And they call Barnabas Jupiter, which is the Roman name for Zeus. And Paul, Mer- Mercurius, or Mercury, because he was the chief speaker. Since Mercury was the chief announcer of the gods, they think, oh, Paul must be Mercury. And Barnabas is just sitting there listening and nodding. He must be Zeus on the throne. So this is their thinking because, remember, these aren't Jews. These are Gentiles who worship the Roman gods. And the priest of Zeus happened to be there. He brought oxen and garlands unto the gates and would have done sacrifice with the people. Which when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they read the coast. Now they finally get what's going on. Because, you know, they are just straight confused. What is going on? What are these people doing? They're trying to figure out what's going on. And all of a sudden, the priest of uh, Zeus shows up with all of his garb and everything, and he's got the axe in, and he's about to make a sacrifice, and they ran up, hey, stop, stop, stop. What are y'all doing? They tear their clothes, which is the form of the angel, and say, no, please don't do this. Why are you doing these things? Verse 15, we're also men of like passion with me. We're just humans. We preach unto you that you should turn from these vain things, and that you should turn to the living God which made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that there is. You don't need Poseidon. He's not in the sea. You don't need Zeus in the sky. You don't need Hades in there. You don't need all these gods. The God we're preaching to you made everything. Who in times past allowed all nations to walk in all those ways. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. He says, you didn't even follow him, but all those good things you experienced in your life was a witness of God and who he really is. The fact that he sent you rain when you were hard-headed, the fact that your crops actually produced when you didn't even believe in him, the fact that you had good days and days of joy, that was God sending his witness in the earth that he exists. And with these sayings, scarce restrained they the people. They barely stopped them from offering the sacrifice. With this emphatic message, they barely stopped them. And so they, they leave like, oh, we might not sacrifice today. Maybe tomorrow. Scarcely restrained. And there came there certain Jews from Antioch, not the one Paul's home base, but the one he preached in at, earlier on in this missionary journey, in Iconium, where Paul and Barnabas just left who persuaded the people, some of the same people that wanted to worship them. And having stoned Paul, so they caught him. Remember the last city tried to catch him. This city actually caught him. And they stoned him. The process of stoning is you cast people into a pit and you throw rocks on them and you hit them in the head till they die. These people have stoned people before. These are not stoners in Colorado. These are stoners who are chucking rocks. They're professionals. They know how to kill somebody. They know how to make sure someone's dead. So after they all agreed that Paul was dead, threw him out of the city, and how be it as the disciples stood round about him, because there's people in that city who believed. Barnabas is still there. There's people like, well, what are you going to do? As they're standing about talking, they could have been praying. Other ones figuring out, what are we going to do? There's Paul. Looks like he's dead. He got up and went back into the city that just killed him. It's like, eh, well, 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 yellow, well, not for me. So, so a lot of scholars believe that he actually was dead. 
but God raised him back up. It's like, I'm not done yet. So where Paul's concerned, death can't stop me. So that's why when you're faced down all these things, like, I've already died before. Oh, yeah, I'll die again, but I already went through it. Not that bad, actually. Notice Paul's mentality. Notice his determination. He goes back into the same city. And the next day, he departed with Barnabas unto Derby. Now, you know somebody had to see him when he goes back in the city. He's like, didn't we just kill this dude? <laughs> Why is he walking? He talked about Jesus got up from the dead. I guess they all pop up from the dead. Like daisies, like daisies. What's going on? So the next day, they depart to Derby, which is still part of Galatia. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and taught many, they returned again to Lystra, the city that just kicked him out and killed him, and to Iconium and Antioch, confirmed the souls of the disciples, exhorted them to continue in the faith, and that we must, through much tribulation or much pressure and resistance, enter into the kingdom of God. So now he's explaining what he went through. So this is tribulation. This is pressure brought by circumstances. Don't be moved just because circumstances turn south. We press through the circumstances. We press through the tribulation, which is circumstance, uh, circumstances of life. Persecution is pressure brought by people. Tribulation is pressure brought by circumstances of life. So Paul said an example. We're not moved by persecution and tribulation. We keep pressing. We keep going forward. So notice he goes back into every single city. He strengthens them. He encourages them. He builds them up because now there's all these saved people. So now he teaches them, gives them more foundation to what they believe. And then he ordained them elders. These are pastors and spiritual overseers in every church. And at prayer with fasting, they commended or presented them to the Lord on whom they believed. So now he's establishing the churches. So now he's going back through. He's following the Holy Ghost now. He says, okay, you're the pastor. Now remember, whoever's pastor hasn't been saved that long. Because everybody in that group just got saved recently. So as they're building up people, the Holy Ghost saying, yep, they're going to lead. Yep, they're going to lead. Yep, they're going to lead. And so when you begin to think about this in mind, about how new the converts were, how new the leaders were, you understand the context of Paul's writings. Because one of the ways you get a deeper meaning of the Scriptures is if you understand why was it written. So now you understand who the book of Galatians was, read, was written to. Now you understand some of the circumstances. You read through the book, you see other circumstances. So now if you took the next few days and read through Galatians, it's not that long. You now have an understanding of why Paul and who, why Paul was writing and who he was writing to. So he presented these new leaders to the Lord in whom they believed. And after they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia, when they preached the word in Perga, they went down to Atalia. And they, sent, and they then sailed to Antioch. They went back home, from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. So we talk about all the opportunities, all the open doors that happened in Cyprus, that happened all throughout Galatia, all that part of modern-day Turkey. They rehearsed it, and they talked about what God did, and there they abode a long time with the disciples. So I'm sure they're teaching and preaching the church of Antioch, but they're also resting. They're enjoyed being home. They went back to their own company. They've been through a lot in this missionary journey. It's good to be back home. And so while they are at home, we'll get into this next time. They're enjoying themselves. They're probably relaxing. And then there come up these group 
from Jerusalem, saying they were sent from the church of Jerusalem, and they began to cause problems in this wonderful church in Antioch. And Paul and Barbara's ain't happy. Thanks for watching the Faith Broadcast today. We hope you enjoyed the message. We'd love to hear from you. So if you're watching us, you can follow us on social media. Our social media handles on Twitter and Instagram is at WeAreFaithATL. You can also go to our website at FCCJ.com. Follow us on social media. Follow us on our YouTube channel. Contact us online. We'd love to hear from you. Have a wonderful day.